0: This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 5, Fly Me to the Moon. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies, to episode five of Star Trek Picard. It is Fly Me to the Moon. I am one of your hosts, John,
1: And let me play amongst the stars. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Yeah, man down down this week. Um, We are, yes.
0: Chris has been taken captive like the gendarme, uh... By the Borg
1: Queen. Which is worse, getting captured by the Borg Queen or uh, by ICE and being deported? (laughs) I'm not sure. Is he Rios in this situation or is he some random smoking gendarme
0: from France? Well, I guess working for a a tech company, Mm. then it's more the Borg
1: Queen. Yeah, I'd probably worry a lot more if it was uh, the board Queen anyway, or any circumstances at all. Anyway, yes, unfortunately, Chris can't join us for our discussion about Star Trek Picard, which is spoiler-filled, as you can probably already tell. We hope you've watched episode five before jumping into this podcast, because there's lots to talk about, number of reveals in this episode, yes. and lots of things to get into.
0: But before we get into our spoiler-filled discussion, remember, fellow Trekkies, if you haven't already subscribed, please head on over to to Mm tvpodcastindustries.com where you can join any federation or confederation supporting podcast player of your choice you can also send in your thoughts theories comments on all things Picard. just send in your email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and of course we are over on facebook where you can join our facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries where we leave a spoiler filled commenting post uh, where you can put in your thoughts, ideas and chat with fellow Trekkies on the latest episodes,
1: Absolutely. And that email address, feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com is where you can also send in your answers to the 10 Forward pub quiz. Uh, we have our fifth question coming up later in this episode. If you've missed any of the questions, you can go to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com and there is a Star Trek Picard uh, pub quiz post there where you can get all the previous questions in case you missed any. Yes. Uh, can't wait uh, to
0: uh, see who will win mm-hmm. this this season's uh, pub quiz, or 10-forward pub quiz.
1: Yes, yes, see who gets those uh, Picard goodies.
0: But let us get into this episode. Derek, what are some of the episode details?
1: Yep, this episode was written by Cindy Appel. Uh, Cindy worked on MacGyver, the reboot show with Picard. Executive producer Terry Maslis, uh did two episodes of that show and is now writing her first episode of Star Trek with this episode of Picard. MacGyver!
0: Yes, I love that show. At least the old version <laughs> of the show. I haven't really watched the, this new iteration of MacGyver, right. but I loved old MacGyver.
1: I certainly lo- like a lot of the writers that have come over from MacGyver. There's, uh, there's quite a lot of people yeah, there's that, have, been tons. that have come from that. Yeah. Yeah. And the episode was directed by number one himself, Jonathan Frakes. Once again, coming back to direct his, uh, his episode of the season for Star Trek Picard, he directed an episode last season on Picard. He's no stranger to directing Star Trek as well. He's been directing right back to his days on, on Next Generation So, and including one of the movies as well. So uh, it's nice to have these assured hands and quite a big episode with lots of uh, lots of characters coming back and lots of um, characters we haven't seen uh, for a long time in the show uh, showing up here.
0: I love it when Jonathan Frakes uh, gets behind the camera because mm-hmm. you're always, uh, I should say, in the, you know, it's good hands on, on a Star Trek property, but you always know there's going to be some
1: kind of class reunion yes. going on um, <laughs> in the episodes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 5? Fly me to the moon. Sure. Returning
0: to the Watcher's apartment, Picard realises that she is not Laris. The Watcher, named Tallinn reveals to Picard that her mission is to monitor a temporal point. She is here to watch and protect an important person from Picard's past, his ancestor René Picard, and she may be the key to the divergence in the timeline. Meanwhile, Seven and Raffi make a daring rescue of Rios from the evil clutches of ICE and back at the ship, a mischievous Borg Queen tries to force Jurati to be connected by taking a gendarme hostage. Elsewhere in LA, Dr. Adam Sung, whose daughter Corey has a rare genetic condition that causes her blood to react violently to sunlight, is desperate to increase his funding to find a cure but his dealings with a dodgy military contractor, which sees him working directly on human subjects unregulated and unmonitored, sees his funding cut and his license revoked by the authorities. Meanwhile, Q continues his manipulation of the timeline, but with the unexpected loss of his power, he has to get his hands dirty and manipulate events directly. Pretending to be Rennie's psychiatrist, he preys on her anxiety to try and persuade her to drop out of the forthcoming Europa mission to space. He also takes an active interest in Dr. Adam Soong's desperate predicament, and offers a cure for his daughter's condition in exchange for something he needs. As everyone, including Tallinn, meet back at the Confederation ship, they find that Gerati has killed the Borg Queen, trying to rescue the gendarme who is still alive but events mean they must focus on infiltrating the pre-launch Gala to protect René Picard from Q and make sure that she gets aboard the space shuttle for the Europa mission. Gerati, having learnt ancient coding at university, Hmm. gets into the Gala to take down the ancient security so the others can follow. But as the plan appears to be working, Gerati must face the consequences of her deal with the Borg Queen.
1: What a cliffhanger on this episode! I'm not sure exactly what's uh, what happens at that at that ending point there with the board queen and Girardi, but I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, as we get into the episode. But yeah, what a cliffhanger!
0: Oh, definitely, and um, I think this was fantastic episode. I, I i really enjoyed it it felt really in depth and really getting to some of the meat of the the issues here mm-hmm. even if it doesn't fully explains it it just felt like a, a nice progression down this story and again um just the the different bits and pieces to this were, were just really really good i'm really glad that we got to um the the reason for the watcher oh, yeah. and this potential divergence yeah. uh, for sure and what's going on
1: with q and his plans yeah. yeah yeah
0: i i do also think this is probably the most french episode uh <laughs> so far in the series what with rené being the Chateau Picard still being featured mm-hmm. and of course Leclerc the unlucky gendarme any uh, any really.
1: fans of Allo uh, low, the uh, the British sitcom about uh, France <laughs> uh, during the war will recognise René and Leclerc in there so, <laughs> so we were laughing about the names uh, that they'd chosen for for our main French people in the episode <laughs>
0: well it was interesting as well that the police officer did like light up a cigarette whilst mm-hmm. on duty of course he did. Um, yes it was kind <laughs> Kind of quite an interesting uh, little moment there yeah. for, for that. It's uh, only you don't see too many other police officers in a film or in a TV show yep. doing that, at least those not in uniform.
1: That's very true, actually. Yeah, I believe there's, weirdly there's restrictions on with people smoking tobacco in T V shows, much more so than any violence or or sex or or drinking. Um tobacco is pretty much outlawed. So I'd say the trade-off was, if we haven't smoking, then we're going to have to punish him really badly in the next scene. Basically, so well, there is
0: always the Borg queen, a
1: la Nicorette patch.
0: I guess, um, happening here in <laughs> this will episode cure you as well. Of your tobacco addiction, yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> So let us get into our points for this episode. We'll start with our general order, our small moment about the episode.
1: Make it so, number one.
0: Derek, what's yours?
1: My small point is just because I wanted to call it out so we didn't miss it. I moment I really enjoyed from the episode is the board Queen uh, trying to access the computer. I just thought it was a really interesting setup. She's been left yeah. on her own in La Serena, um, just, you know, trying to work out what how she can get out of here. She's she's trying to escape from the ship. She's trying to get out of the clutches of Picard and his crew, basically. But I loved how it played out. Effectively, she's overhearing all of these phone calls that are going on. And she's even describing it as voices trans, transferring on invisible lines, invisible yeah. wires. Um So she's trying to interpret what's going on in 2024, you know, she's not from this uh, this century, you know, so she's trying to interpret what it is that's going on. So she decides that she'll access the local phone wires so that she can uh, try and break herself out of this situation. But what I love is the the fact that she has to go through all the members of the crew in order <laughs> yeah. to access the computer. So she starts off with her own voice, trying to access computer and trying to get the computer to tap into the local telephone tower. But, of course, no reaction to the poor Queen. How would she get access to the computer? Interestingly, she tries Gerati's voice, former partner of Rios, yeah. uh He obviously hasn't reprogrammed her ability to access the Confederation version of La Serena. Um, and then tries Picard. Picard also doesn't have access to the system. Picard's voice doesn't have access. The only voice that eventually she's able to use to get access to the system is, of course, Captain Rios, because it's his ship.
0: Yeah, and that's really interesting because as they crash landing and we had that discussion about whether they crashed in or landed in France Mm -hmm. or close to LA, it...
1: Yeah, you were right, John. It was France. (laughs)
0: I know. Um, I'm going to just keep mentioning that. But Picard has to ask rios
1: for um to give him access and control that's right yes yes and of course remember now by the end of the episode the person who had control of the uh of la Serena was the board queen if she's no longer able to control the ship and rios for some reason isn't able to get back on board nobody else has control of the ship right so rios is now really important to get back for their mission to get back to the future, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So just keep that in mind. He's not the only one, dare I well, say, yes. as well. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. But I really like the look of mischief um that comes across the face of the Borg Queen yeah. as she is understanding how she might be able to get out of the situation, what trouble she's gonna cause, you know, what she effectively puts herself in the role of being a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Um so I really liked that um for sure.
1: Yeah it was re- it was really good fun, wasn't it? Even, you know, you could tell it's almost like a prank that she's doing. Call yeah, the cops. Exactly. Tell them to come over Gerati is a heavy sleeper as well. The cops are walking around <laughs> her house. There's nobody else in the house. There's an old house that she's in, the, the uh, Chateau Picard. And she's asleep on the couch, n- doesn't get disturbed by the cops walking around, checking everything out. Doesn't get disturbed about the board Queen with um, shouting over the tannoy, effectively, trying to wake up Gerati. And you do get that kind of comedy moment where the board Queen raises her voice to go, Gerati, wake up. <laughs> so uh, a fun little uh, fun little joke there. But it is, it's almost a prank. Yeah. Again, until the spikes come out for the board queen to uh, to capture the uh, the gendarme and effectively almost kill him.
0: Yeah, I, I I thought this was real great horror sequence here. Just mm-hmm. really really enjoyed it. I love that the police officer, the clerk, was what is this? Uh, I and then he hears the voice, and again, it's that damsel in distress. Follow my my. Um, my voice, mm-hmm. you know, really sounded like Freddy Krueger putting on a voice right. in, in the dreams. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, because you know what's going to be at the end of that yes. voice. And you're seeing uh, Leclerc here, you know, doing his duty to protect um, mm. the the citizens of France. And so I, I just saw this really nice horror sequence here. Yeah. Uh, and I... You know, there was part of me after our discussions last week about whether it was the Bull Queen that could be in these tunnels that could have dragged uh, Madame Picard's mother of Jean-Luc from the flashbacks that we've seen. That's right, Um, yes. I I just wondered whether it was she was almost leaving a, a... A nest egg or something of, of of a Borg in there. Mm. It was going to be Leclerc, this police officer. Now we'll, we'll get to how it plays out. Um, but uh, it was just a really good sequence, really building on that tension between, um, the Borg queen and Jurassic, uh, which
1: has been really, a fantastic yeah. part of this series, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that was my uh, general order. My small point for the episode, John. What's your small point that you want to talk about?
0: Uh, mine is the again following on from this. I, I love the 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 dragging the dead cop gag uh, that that came about here because mm-hmm. effectively after everyone has been doing their thing uh, away from the ship, they all converge back on the the ship. Mm-hmm. And we have Picard bringing uh, Talon, the Watcher, yep. uh, to to the ship, saying, "This is the, they are really great crew. They're they're some of the best I've known." Yep. Um, and <laughs> as they're dragging, it's not a dead cop. Um, he is clinging on to life uh, thanks to the work of yeah. But they're just dragging this uh, gendarme across the ship floor to try and get him. To um, so he can be picked up by the police, so that he can actually get hospital treatment yes, and um, but it looks like they're effectively doing something highly illegal of which you know Talon is not really in that wheelhouse she's quite clear you know she has a simple rule mm-hmm. is that she watches and doesn't interfere absolutely or, Picard's setup of how great his crew are. And then they're dragging a dead police,
1: or what appears to be a dead absolutely. police officer. Oh no, he's he's not dead. I'm sure there's a, a good explanation. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, exactly. That's <laughs> it's to like backtrack. Exactly. They've basically knocked him out. They have they have given him medical medical attention. You hear that from Girati? She has fixed him, except for his spleen, which is over in a box on the side. Um, that's Rios's face that's was absolutely, priceless. Absolutely priceless. Um, and then she's given him something to wipe his memory, and they're going to stick him back in his car so he'll wake up. And I guess he'll tell one of those stories, like you hear about the U.S encounters where one night I went out to shut up a yeah. card and there was a spaceship there, you know, because he did walk around a spaceship you know, but I guess you might have something to knock out the entire memory, but he could have those little fragments that again, you hear from the UFO encounter stories. Well, that's yeah. it,
0: and I, I wondered if that was continued chatter on the airwaves uh, as a result of the ship Maybe. crash landing, because it only cloaks once it is downed yeah. on the ground, so you could you know, France is, even in, in 2024, will be a populous um, country. Absolutely. And so someone somewhere um, has opened up a file down in a basement of some <laughs> federal agency.
1: That sounds very x files John. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, that is that your, uh, your general order? Yeah, that up? is
0: yep. my yep. general order point. I think uh, we can get on to our Omega Directive, our medium
1: point.
2: Implement the Omega Directive immediately.
1: John, do you want to kick us off with your uh, medium point, your Omega Directive? Yeah, my medium point is really uh, Seven
0: of Nine and Rafi mm. um, rescuing Rios finally. You've just said how important he is given he controls the authorization uh, on on the, the starship. But I just thought, you know, th- this was really, really good. And it. it it's less about the, the, the breakout uh, of Rios from the the coach, but it was just more about how it came about because you know we, we see here that there's a bit of an argument that is developing between Rafi and Seven uh, about whether Rafi is becoming too reckless mm. or uh, Seven of Nine is becoming a bit too careful. I get it. There is the prime directive where... You you can't interfere, yeah. and you have to keep a low profile. But there is Rafi here who is effectively wanting to transport Rios off the the moving target that is the coach, mm-hmm. and Seven is like, we can't do that. Who knows what implications? Uh, a busload of prisoners and their guards seeing someone phase off uh, a coach is going to do. Absolutely. But there's a real kind of struggle as to what will happen. And it, and it does look for a moment that Rafi doesn't really want to hear what Seven's plans are. Yeah. But definitely. in the end, I think Seven's provides, you know, a bit more hand to hand combat and a bit more action where she, they use an EMP blast to effectively stop the bus. And Rios is kind of tuned into um, the fact that this could be their rescue. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a few punch-ups and we get the all the um, immigrants who are being deported mm-hmm. or something far worse. I guess we'll never see that now because we thought they were going to possibly be going to a sanctuary mm-hmm. or some kind of prison camp. The sanctuary district, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, like uh, from the... Deep Space Nine episode that we yeah. talked about last week, but they're, they're rescued here. And with the rescue, one of the, um, one of the, uh, immigrants does look like, um, Elnor. And in fact, when, when Rafi sees this guy getting off the bus, it mm-hmm. is Elnor. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly realizes that it's not when yeah.
1: he asks, are, are you okay? It so, gets play, played by Evan, Evan Goria as well. Yeah, I, absolutely. Weirdly, I was taking notes the first time. I literally saw the moment where she hits his shoulder and he turns around. And I'm like, oh, I guess he has the same kind of hair as him. <laughs> but the second time we watched it, uh, of course, it is the actor Evan, Evan Goria. Uh, as um, Elnor, that Raffi sees and then he turns around. It's a different actor. So, yeah. Uh, so, yes, of course. I, uh, I, I was wondering why she made such a big um, moment of it kind of thing. Oh, guy with the same hair. You know, but she's clearly obsessed and really upset about yeah, the exactly. loss of Elna. That's exactly why Seven is challenging her about the And it it's the tension between
0: yeah. them the the two of them as to the methods that they're employing mm-hmm. here. And and it kind of brings to an end their attempts at finding the Watcher that they were doing before, effectively they've all been sidetracked with the capture of, of Rios. Yes, yes. and um, as well. So it it was you know one of those threads really coming to an end but it, it is good to see Rios uh, safe and sound and out of the hands of the or out of the evil clutches as I described <laughs> uh, of ice yeah
1: they probably wouldn't describe themselves like that of course but i'm sure they wouldn't <laughs> uh, but no yeah good good to have him back um, and uh, yeah the the uh, the tricorder is a uh, a very a uh, multifunctional tool isn't yeah, it the swiss army knives of, of of tricorders <laughs> i guess yes uh, i did want to just call out one little thing um in that scene we see pedro the immigrant that was put on the bus before uh, rios in the last episode we see him throw the double handed punch of captain kirk um at the at the security guard before they get off the bus after the yeah. at the ice guard after they get off the the bus um I also noticed that they played a little bit of the original series theme tune when um, Rios was saying goodbye to Pedro and complimenting him effectively. Yeah, and because Rios
0: like, actually does the double-handed punch again um, in front of him, saying, nice move. He emulates you know, Doing it, exactly. the action again.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then they played the theme tune. I was wondering, what did that supposed to mean? Jonathan Frakes, what have you put into this episode was, here? Yeah. It, it was a weird one, wasn't who's it? Who's Pedro? Because there's very much this kind of connection that we should know who Pedro is, or there's something going to happen down the line that Pedro leads to something else. Or, Definitely.
0: Yeah. And and as soon as they they flagged the same punch again mm-hmm. by of, of Pedro's by Rios, I was like, hmm. okay, that that feels like it's something that yeah. something is is being sort of Easter egged here. It's telescoped. certainly.
1: It is certainly captain james t kirk's uh double-handed is, signature punch is. definitely so maybe they were just underlining that but it felt like a weird underline afterwards that's all so i definitely wanted to uh, wanted to mention that as well but nice to have good old rios back
0: but derek what is your amiga directive
1: this is probably quite a big point for our medium point in the episode but i want to talk about um dr sung and his daughter in here and Q's plan really uh, everything that's going on here we saw at the end of last week's episode the big cliffhanger there was that Q has lost his powers of, um, and now he's connecting up with Dr. Adam Sung and his daughter Corey Sung uh, played by Brent Spiner and finally the return of Issa Brionis, uh in the episode here um, so it turns out that the Sung's have a very long history in the world of uh, of Star Trek uh, with Brent Spiner playing all of them and he's a geneticist whose daughter Corey has a uh, a problem with the light. The sunlight will kill her, effectively, almost vampiric.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And he's looking for a cure for uh, for this illness that she has. And um, it's it's interesting. I kind of feel like, given how short the seasons are on um, on Picard, it's kind of odd that we have another member of the Seng legacy played by Brent Spiner coming into the show here. Um, He's played three versions of this character now, or four, I think, even, uh, versions of this character. And then along with all the versions of Data and Lore and and B4 that he's played, it's good to keep Brent Spiner involved in the universe, but it feels weird to have him every time playing soon. You know, like, I know I have ancestors going back hundreds of years, but I don't think every single one of them looks exactly like me.
0: Oh, I'm I'm sure that they they don't. But, (laughs) I mean... I think it's just nice shorthand Mm -hmm. and, but it's also fantastic to have Brent Spiner back as well. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't really have that much of of an issue with that. It doesn't really grate on me. Like it seems to with you if I'm I'm, getting you right. I I
1: just kind of feel if you have a a limited amount of story. Pulling the same storyline that there is a doctor here that's dealing with his daughter and illness or he's dealing with his creations or um something like that. Having that storyline continuing and going out through Next Generation and now into Picard. It feels like they're using it quite a lot. But what's probably massively different here is that we're finally getting the origins of sung and why he created yes. what the creations that he did create, because it feels like this situation with his daughter is unresolvable. Um yeah. If he doesn't find a cure for her, she can never go outside. And if she doesn't go outside, how long, how much longer can she live? If she does go outside, she dies. So is there a point going to come that she can't stay indoors anymore? You know, you hear that conversation between the two of them where she's been told multiple times, I guess, sometime soon you'll be able to go out. And she's now questioning but how, how long is soon? She's starting to say, how long will it be until I until I go out? Um, so, of course, he's looking for the funding to continue his research, trying to to, um, to get the money together so he can continue to find this cure for his daughter. But he's been so obsessed with this that he's fallen in with the wrong people. And that leads to him not only losing the possibility of further funding for this yeah. essential work that he's doing, he also loses his license to practice any kind of genetics. Yeah. At all.
0: Absolutely. I I I really enjoyed this and I think it it, I think as you say it's the it's the start of the Sung legacy in 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 Star Trek. But I think as well it's it's the interaction with Q here for me. Oh absolutely. Because it drives Q's storyline forward, but it, it shows the results of um of q losing his powers Mm -hmm. you know he has to get his hands dirty he has to intervene in a more physical way he can't just i mean he always has done that but he can't just click his fingers and something will happen yeah uh and his thoughts can can pass over he has to physically intervene here and this is and it shows the predatory nature of Q that he's, you know, feasting on the the desperation yeah. of uh, Adam Soong here. He's effectively just lost his career, any chance of him developing a cure for mm-hmm. his daughter. And he effectively, he's living in pretty decent looking house. So I guess in time, he loses all of that as he has no money coming in and and he has nothing to fund his research. So I thought this was um, really good seeing that predatory nature. I loved how Q sort of contacts him. The scene in the cafe was just glorious with the two of them. Uh, All of that um, Q being Theatrical with his, um, you know, time has abandoned me, and there's no, there's not much left. You know, he's being grandiose. He says, "I am the evolution of stardust," which I particularly that's liked.
1: Really, um, yeah, that's really uh, good. He also quotes the very, very famous quote from the holy book, Gita. Uh, he quotes the "I am death, destroyer of worlds," really yes. famously used by Oppenheimer yes. um, around his atom bomb, effectively. So, does Q now know? this is going to set us on the path for the future. Uh, when we originally went to uh, that alternate timeline that Q brought Picard to, we saw the statue of Adam Sung. So he is clearly the father of that future. Yes. Um, so simply trying to save his daughter has done something that has led to that that timeline, I guess.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, and, you know, there is, in the same way that Jurati and the Borg Queen have connected and, and a. A deal has been done between the two. Here we have a deal between Adam Soong and, and Q. Mm-hmm. Um, in in terms of for Q, Soong is his lifeline. Yeah. And it's not the only person that he's having to manipulate directly. We see him doing that with Picard's ancestor mm-hmm. Rene as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, the deal here is that Q will give him the cure for his his daughter. Yeah. And in exchange, all we know so far is have you ever heard of the name Picard? It doesn't say Rene. Yeah, that's true. And certainly doesn't say Jean Luc. Yeah. But what.
1: What do you want him to it, do? Is it
0: Rene? Because initially I thought it was a two pronged approach by, by Q to prevent Rene from yeah, possible, exactly yeah. um, the, the Europa missions shuttle. Yeah. So it, it, I, it could be that, mm-hmm. but he doesn't call out Rene Picard that's true. specifically. But I'm guessing it is that. Um, yeah. But you just never know uh, with these, how, how that might uh, might play out. But, yeah,
1: but I guess with the pre-existing relationship between Picard and Sung, he knows Sung, he knows all of his history, he knows everything that's going on there. So I guess with that pre-existing history, Q could absolutely be using a Sung to head off Jean-Luc, potentially. Yeah. You know,
0: I, I think the other interesting thing is with Adam Sung is that it looks as though, first and foremost, he is a geneticist. Mm-hmm. Um whilst that, I think, in the very far future, four hundred years from now, yeah. that is also applicable by the sounds of it to robotics in his world. Yeah, I was like going, "Oh, this is a, a di- there is a difference here." Yeah, um, in the sense that he's a geneticist, not um, involved with robotics or cybernetics mm. or. Um, that kind of research line, yeah. but nonetheless, he does seem to have a fairly bespoke. Uh, he he seems to be able to handle technology well because yes. I thought the drones and the the kind of field shield mm-hmm. for his daughter uh, Corey was really really good, and it it seemed to match the planetary protection. Um, that we saw on the Confederation's yes. planet as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, to block out the intensified solar rays as a result of um, the environmental breakdown.
1: Mm. Yes, so a big connection there with uh, someone that's highly sensitive to solar rays. Um, in in uh, Corey, um, really good to see Ace Runners back as well. Yes, uh, in the show, and I have to call out this connection that I found. As well, I, I will not take ownership for this when I didn't come up with this one myself, but I have to call out this connection because I wouldn't have gotten it. Um, it's been a while since I've seen season one, but back in season one, we saw that data had a painting of the character of Soji and Dash. So there was a connection between data, this, this uh, android creation and Soji and Dash played by Issa Brionis Yeah. last season. And he was calling the painting was called daughter. Um, so interestingly, this season we're seeing. Isabrionis play the daughter of Dr. Adam Sung. So Data was painting the daughter of the original creator, or the original ancestor, effectively. So a nice connection running through from season one, and finally an explanation as to why Daughter, the, the painting by Data, looks like Isabrionis, looks like Soji and Dash in season one. So kind of a, a retroactive uh, connection from season yeah, one to season two. Definitely. Which I liked, that was kind of cool. Yeah, It was. It, it was really
0: good. I... I I really enjoyed um all of this and i think yeah. with the with q involved as well in that amazingly good um restaurant scene yeah. it it was just yeah spot on i i love it when brent spiner kind of swerves and yes. just when <laughs> the, the that initial meeting where it's like you know i'm contacted by so many different crackpots whether it yeah. is neo fascist groups or crazy rich people who want their cats cloned. Yeah. Really you good. know, and and then of course Q comes out with Time has abandoned me and Mm-hmm. And soon goes, There we go again. And he yeah. he he's just really kind of so not data, and I love it when he's not data yes. as well as when he is data. I like data, but yeah. I love that contrast um, and I just always have done.
1: Certainly in the Star Trek world. Absolutely. I felt like there was almost a slip of John Delancey. Um like he's, he does such a great job as Q, especially in that scene. But when when Brent Spider curses at him there's almost a slip of John Delancey going, "Oh wow, oh, uh, <laughs> another member of the cast of Next Generation has cursed at me because Picard did as well yeah. uh, earlier on in the season." There's almost that moment where he's taken aback by the uh, by the character, I guess, of of uh, of Adam Sung and and the way that he's speaking to him. So uh, I thought that was quite funny, but a really good scene overall. And don't get me wrong, it is just literally the concept of having another Sung in the show is all is, is it was all I was questioning. But I do love Brent Spiner. Anything they could do to bring him uh, into the show, I love. So uh, so yeah. no issues with the actual uh, execution of it, let's say. Yeah.
0: Well, let us get on to our third moment, our big moment, the Prime Directive.
1: We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. All right, John, what's your big moment for the episode? Um,
0: it, it's kind of two bits in, in a sense uh it, it's
1: nope your big moment john only one now chris <laughs> I... isn't here you can have two it's fine no
0: it's not i, I think first of all i just wanted to say i really enjoyed the opening actually of hmm. picard meeting who we think is is laris from last episode uh but the watcher coming into her apartment but that being interchanged with the the, the simulation that Renny Picard is yes. doing, and just having the the explanation here, you know, Renny Picard, uh, a serial Picard overachiever, but has um you know has has certain struggles here in the form of anxiety mm-hmm. and depression, which again just showing the sort of the predatory nature of Q again. Yes, absolutely. he he predates on this by pretending to be her psychiatrist during the pre-launch final, um, psych assessment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and is actively trying to talk her out of, of actually going on the mission. Oh, cute. And, and you yes. see, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but you, you, you know, you have before this just, you know, a great interchanging of, uh, Renny Picard's, introduction here yep. along with talon's uh introduction here and we get to find out that the watcher you know really has this single rule that i will watch i don't intervene that she is there for a singular purpose mm. which is to protect one person which is john luke's ancestor renee and i i just really really enjoyed this and um, yeah It was kind of quite highbrow, really, but I liked it and I liked how it worked into the final sort of part of this episode with uh, Picard and the Watcher because Talon also describes herself as a supervisor as well. And this is used by Picard to kind of figure out now that he knows that it's definitely not Laris, that um, it is um that you know there is records of kind of higher beings coming in and interjecting into the 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 timeline or the time periods uh he references uh, Gary 7 uh from the Kirk era
1: yes yes Gary 7 uh from second season of uh, of the original series of uh, of Star Trek Gary 7 was, yes, somebody who had the assignment to monitor over Earth. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be a, a, a spin off of Star Trek at the time that he was okay, going, yeah. going to be someone left behind on Earth to watch over them effectively. I found it interesting this idea of the watcher that is Talon that she's been watching R- Renee since she was born. She says she's been at it for 24 yeah. years and her main priority is to protect her, but she can't interfere. And Picard is sitting there telling her that in three days' time, Something massively bad is going to happen here. Either she'll die before or she won't get aboard the space shuttle. And Talon's response is, well, if she chooses not to get in the space shuttle, then it's fine. I'm here to watch and observe. And you're going, but you're here to protect her timeline. I guess there's a reason you've been assigned to her. You need to read the clues and yeah. follow it. And
0: is, so. we have to work strategically here. Mm. And ultimately they, they, they do. And I thought this was the really nice part of Picard and Talon then was as they're all assembled on the ship, mm-hmm. it had a heist feel to oh, it absolutely. Uh, of what we need to do and when we're going to do it. Yep. This very extravagant pre-launch gala ball Yes. with it has an obscene level of security. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get it. It's It probably deserves high security, but having being face recognized throughout an entire evening, mm-hmm. uh, even if you are a guest, I'm like, going, oh, that's a little intrusive. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I just loved how, um, Picard says, you know, we, we have this plan and um, we, but there's still very much an uncertainty about what it is that they're going to protect. Mm-hmm. Um, Rene from other than Q, but what's he going to do? They don't, they can't really foresee that. Or whilst this Europa mission is chronicled by the federation and yep. is seen as being an important step, the, there's nothing particularly except for, um, that Rene persuades her, um, commander that there is this sentient life that they bring aboard and bring back to Earth. Yes, that's an interesting one. So it's a a real interesting one. But that doesn't seem to really switch Picard on to say that is where the divergence could happen, because I was trying to think about it along the lines that she effectively allows for humans to not be afraid of sentient life
1: but I think it's only a microorganism. So, see what I what the way I put together was, yeah, it was like the discovery of the potential of water being on Mars led people to think there were possibly other inhabitable planets out in the galaxy. Potentially, this discovery of Rene's in 2024 has encouraged humans to think that there are sentient life forms out in the galaxy, or out in the universe as well. Now, so another big change for the space race. Really.
0: Exactly, yeah. with, with Rene not being there, there is no chance that. This organism that she has found on Io, which Picard says she believes it to be sentient, That's right. is brought back. So with someone else at the helm, they don't even recognize that or they're, they have an aversion to it. Mm. And so, but by bringing it back, there is, yes, this, that this whole dialogue introduced on Earth that there could be other sentient beings in the galaxy that they need to try and find. Yeah. Whereas if if it never comes back and they never see this, yeah. that then it's still very inward-looking, very insular, very exactly. human-dominated. Yeah. And so, therefore, when they do have space propulsion and go out into the stars it is humans first and and so that's how i was thinking that it could be the divergence but again at the moment that's not really something that uh picard feels is important i mean he says it's an important point in in the history mm-hmm. but that there is a lot of chaos in this time and the records are wildly out i mean it's interesting because we would say that about say um you know medieval history mm-hmm. and and he's saying it here that you know maybe it just wasn't recorded well enough for them to understand that they knew it was sentient so
1: or going back to guinan's point um whatever people say is true in this timeline it's only two years away well, <laughs> but whatever people say may be true may not be true so uh so real true facts from this timeline are difficult to get at maybe that's the the kind of underlying jab of Dig it. Here. Yeah. Um, but as, as we mentioned before you know this idea of first contact coming in in 40 years time you know this could be what Pushed the human, human society onto, we're not alone in the galaxy where we need to think of ourselves as one planet going out and exploring the universe. This yeah, an outward and embracing yeah. rather than inward and sort of defensive. And exactly what Guinem was complaining about and wanting to leave the planet. So, yeah. um, so while maybe in the history books is recorded as a very small moment in human history, René finding this, um, sentient life form on another planet maybe the knock-on effect of it is has massive impacts on on the creation of the society like we've seen in star trek so uh so that i I really like it it's just a throwaway line from picard but it could have major implications for uh for humans in the future i like that
0: yeah absolutely and 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 we we see then um you know the plan this this plan being put Mm. into action oh yes to infiltrate uh, at least to get Jurati into the the gala ball yes. so that she can then and I, I really did enjoy her talking of the coding uh, at this stage being ancient coding mm-hmm. uh, semester or or lecture series at, at university so yep. I thought that was a nice little moment as well. Yeah. Um, so that they can sort of circumvent all this security.
1: Absolutely. And in the um the true kind of nod to Oceans Eleven, we're not let into what her plan is. So we think that Girati is uh, surreptitiously getting in using um, you know, forged documents and getting in and gonna hide herself in there, but actually her plan was to get caught and brought up. to the room. We don't know anything further than that. We don't know what the next step is to get the rest of the crew of La Serena into that party but we know this was her plan. So uh, so I like that. I like that they did the proper nod to those kind of heist movies where even the audience doesn't know what's going to happen even though they've made a plan as a a crew. So uh, interesting to see what happens but there's one little wrinkle in that plan isn't there? Oh yes.
0: A very big borgy wrinkle.
1: Yes, and I guess that kind of brings us on to uh, my big point for the episode. Actually, not a huge amount to say on this because we've kind of covered it throughout the episode. But Jurati and the Bored Queen is big enough to have its own point in in this discussion of Picard. Um It kind of kicks off with the capture of the gendarme where she calls Girati in and Jurati makes a choice. I totally thought this scene was setting up that Jurati killed the police officer. he just discovered their spaceship, effectively. Yeah. Um, that, had come from the future back in time and the importance of the Borg Queen. She's responsible for getting them back to their own time and finishing off this whole adventure effectively. So when she shoots that gun and it goes to black, I just thought it was going to come back and we'd have Gerati burying the body of a police officer outside the, outside the spaceship before anybody gets back, you know? Um, yeah, agree. but agreed. the fact that she shot and killed the Borg Queen is pretty huge.
0: It, it really was. She, d- um, she
1: decided that she would still be uh, take the right choice and not kill the innocent one. She, she'd take out the Borg Queen, even though we've had that manipulation of the Borg Queen throughout the season so far. Even though it could possibly mean they're stuck here in this time um, forever. She's taken out the Borg Queen. She shot her. Um, I kind of love there's a, a touch of a line that she says... After killing her, saying she's just like us, I shot. I, I shot her and she died. Like it just,
0: yeah, there was the weak
1: point where
0: yeah. you you don't have the 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 metal armor and, and yeah. the metal parts are of her.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess an up close shotgun uh, blast will, will probably do that. But we get the scene replayed later that the Boar Queen didn't die immediately and um, she's effectively transferred some of her consciousness fi- into Jirati. Jurassic- um, I guess that pre-preparation that she's done with the 10 or 20% um, assimilation that Gerati got from the Borg Queen is part of it. We see as she's dying, Gerati's feeling the pain of it already, even before the Borg Queen transfers something over into Gerati's body.
0: Well, that's it. It was like she was injecting her with the Borg Queen essence mm. or something, like it's Christian Borg um, or something <laughs> like that. It, okay. No, I mean, it was, but it was really good moment, but it, it was a that final moment where you get that realization of, of what's happened after she's shot at uh, the, the, what we, you know, police officer and the ball queen. Yeah. Uh, bef- and in that small intervening period before everyone's back on the ship. And, and we see that she's killed the bull queen. I mean, even just when, Rios and everyone is back there. You know, Agnes just is covered in blood and she says, I hated shooting her. Mm-hmm. That there is this whole, um, love hate relationship. It's completely dysfunctional oh, yeah. in, in some respects. At least it's dysfunctional whilst they're separated and not connected yes. because, you know, when she's there with the double barrel shotgun, the, the, I mean, the, the Bull Queen is, is basing her, you know, she says, you are utterly alone. I've mm. seen it across all timelines, yeah. across all spaces. You are always utterly alone. I'm the only person that really knows you. And, um, you know, I could take this body of Leclerc, the, the gendarmerie, mm-hmm. but I want yours. And, um, and, you know, playing on that loneliness of Jurassic, of imagining being connected with every intimate hope shared. um, And, you know, that could be you. You could have belonging. You could have connection. um, But if you don't want to have that, I'm getting out of here anyway, so I'll take Leclerc. Yeah. Um, And as you say, she shoots the queen. And like yourself, I thought it was going to be the police officer because of how important the bull queen is to the... The, the time travel yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. But then when we see um, the Boar Queen whispering away into Dratty's ear, mm. and I, it was kind of slightly foreshadowed, actually, when I think about it, because there is, is the great moment where you've got the two security people in, in the monitoring room yeah. looking at all the cameras and i think one of them says something's up with the red dress
2: yeah she's talking Look to herself her talking to all herself. the time and because yeah. she
0: has an earpiece in talking to the yeah. and i also liked it because you always see people with the earpiece talking to themselves and how that's not picked up um yeah. <laughs> you know anyway camera,
1: yeah but you're right she could have also been talking to the board queen exactly
0: yeah. um and Just that moment where the Borg Queen is sat next to her and you're like, okay, is this just Gerati's mind? But it is more than that because of this connection and certainly the connection um, that you see the Borg Queen directly make with the injection of her little sort of prongs uh, into the side of um, Gerati's face. But you, you see how this relationship, now that they're unconnected, is not working. You know, Mm -hmm. the the queen's surprised that she has shot her. um, But Gerati is defiant. You know, she doesn't. It's almost get out of my head now at this stage.
1: Yes. You know, that looks like that's not going to be a possibility. And I think we are on path to exactly as we've been guessing since the second episode that Gerati is going to be the newborn queen at this point. This is the um, path that she's on. Because she's now been injected with something from the board queen. So I, I am guessing, uh, we were right about the, uh, the cliffhanger towards the end of the season. Yeah.
0: I think it's looking like that. I, I, I think yeah. the only thing still for me is just, is it that quick? You know, is she at a level or a threshold of the connection previously between her and Jurassic? You know, as that left Jurassic at a threshold where simply that caressing touch of her cheek with, the injection, unless that is a complete data dump mm. that's happened, just because it took so long to get to like twenty percent or whatever it was, so, um, but it still affected us. So maybe that's enough. Uh, maybe it's just.
1: Well, I i remember enough. we are we are in episode five of ten, so the the point would be that maybe over the next few episodes, as the uh, whatever it is wriggles its way inside jurati's brain that she begins to turn more and more towards yeah. becoming the board queen you could do it slowly over a few episodes certainly as
0: soon as she puts the big pressure cooker on her head as a hat exactly you know she's board queen then yes
1: <laughs> uh, that's it that's what the other big epi- big moment from the episode uh, any notes that you want to call out john any any little points that you want to call out from the episode
0: um no no notes uh, from from myself
1: I just have one that I want to call out, just a note that, uh, that we should really mention. Just Q taking on the position of Rene's therapist and using the, the cartoon version of Sigmund Freud's voice when he's talking <laughs> to her, pushing her into, uh, giving up this, this idea of being a, uh, a, a, a captain on the spaceship effectively. Um, I just thought it was hilarious. It's a really funny uh, bit from uh, from John Delancey to use that voice. He doesn't need to. He could use his own voice. He doesn't know who he is, but he's disguising it with this uh, Sigmund Freud voice. I thought that was quite <laughs> yeah, funny. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but
0: Derek, uh, what did you think of Star Trek: Picard, Episode Five,
1: "Fly Me to the Moon"? Do You know, there's so many great things in this episode. And I did really enjoy it, but there's just a couple of things that are really niggling, and they're they're quite they're quite open and unable to be solved after the episode is over. So which just kind of annoyed me. So it kicks off the episode with Picard thinking that a woman without any Romulan ears is Laris. So he shouldn't noticed that instantly. She doesn't have the Romulan ears. That's probably not Laris. And they have a discussion about it. There's no real resolution to it other than she's not Laris. She's got a different name. And she's a watcher. But she looks exactly
0: like looks exactly it. exactly like yeah, it. Other with no, than the pointy With is, no explanation.
1: Yeah. And they even have Raffi coming to Picard and, and they make, make a joke out of it. And Picard goes, it's complicated and moves on. You only really do that if the audience knows why she looks like Laris. You only have the joke with another member of the cast coming up and going, can you explain to me now why she looks like Laris? You have that joke because it is complicated, but we, the audience, know and he's not going to explain it again to the other character. So it feels really unusual that they haven't put some kind of explanation in there. And because there's so much in this episode of like having Brett Spiner coming back as a Soon and Isbrionis coming back as uh, another connection to the Soon family and Eva Evangoria coming back as the version of Elnor that. Rafi sees having all of that in the episode and then adding in Laris, who looks like Laris, but isn't Laris, is Talon, is somebody else, but we're not going to explain in the episode. All of that together made that, that a little bit too much in the episode. So while I loved the movement in the story, loved learning about Q, loved the, uh, the whole thing going on with Gerati and the Boar Queen, I felt that stuff needed to be resolved, needed to be written into the episode better.
0: Yeah I I can see that for sure and the, there's part of me wondering is it you know it's just just shorthand for this soon um and having Brent Spiner and, oh, it is, totally. and the same with Corey or yeah. you know but maybe the Laris thing I think that's the more important thing um is why use the same actress to be the watcher yeah. and also um Laris um you know back in um at the start of the the series. So I, I and I was just wondering whether it's something to do with the time travel. In the same way that Guinan can pick up or feel the echoes of words that are going to be said mm-hmm. to her in that present. I think with the Elnor thing, that's something within Rafi's mind. But it could be that the time travel is affecting the minds of this crew. I don't know, and I agree, it needs to be. Um, there needs to be a little bit of explanation, particularly around Laris. And, and I
1: feel there's going to be an explanation around Laris. Don't get me wrong. I know. I know we didn't get it in the episode, but it's just how everybody moves on from it to serve the story is more my challenge so same same yeah. thing with Girati shoots the board queen everybody arrives back in the ship and no one's screaming going we're never going to get back to our future like raffi her whole mission since the beginning of this of this uh, arc of the season has been to save elnor she has to get back to the future for that to happen and all the all we see in this episode is Girati going oh i've killed the board queen she was our only way home and then there's the gag about them carrying the dead, the possibly dead police officer out of the ship. It's like somebody should have been talking about it. It should have been on screen. Picard should have had a moment where he goes, what are we going to do about the board Queen? Well, we'll have to put that to the side for the moment because we need to do this or something. Some kind of mention of it. But even when they're all sitting in Chateau Picard, nobody mentions that the Board Queen is dead at all. So I wonder If the reason why there's so many coincidences, so many of the same faces that are coming back up, will it be explained that this is something that's being put into Picard's mind and that's why there's so many people connected to him right here? It still hasn't been explained why only the crew members of La Serena were pulled back into this alternate universe right back in in episode two, you know, so... Will, are all of these supposed to be cues to us that this is going on in Picard's mind as opposed to it all happening the way it normally does in in Star Trek? I don't know, but as it stands in episode five, I hope a lot of this stuff gets resolved in the future. But as it stands, there are just a couple of things that happened in the episode that just need to be just kind of waved away as opposed to written into the Episode later, episode story like yeah
0: no uh, I can definitely see that I can definitely
1: see that yeah how about yourself John what did you think of the episode uh, I
0: I really liked this episode uh, an awful lot I in fact I I didn't allow that to really um sort of bother me mm-hmm. in, in a sense I just took the the pure um enjoyment mm-hmm. of of this episode for me but I, I I think you're right I think it there needs to be An explanation, especially around Laris, Yes. Not Elnor and soon. I don't really need to... I I don't need to worry about that either. Um, But I think with Laris, absolutely. Um, Because that's one moment where they could have... If they haven't cast someone in that role, there must be a reason. So I guess it will come out later. And so... I, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I, I was giving it four and a half smoking gendarmes right. out of five. Um, True. I just liked how we got to finally meet the watcher. I think you're right. I said questions over why, uh, the watcher looks exactly like Laris, but I love the interaction between Picard and Laris. Um, and to be honest, the urgency of this situation of, you know, three days and counting mm-hmm. that to me felt the reason for a lot of this having to to move forward Um, because otherwise we're going to get the Confederation. I mean, even with the death of the Borg Queen, Mm -hmm. what can they do? Um, She's dead. She's died. um, And they know from the record that there are examples of where this is, the time travel has happened without. So, really enjoys just the interaction of Picard with Talon, the Watcher. Um, I'm glad that Rafi and Rios are, and uh, Seven of Nine are back on the ship, that they're all back together as a crew. I love the introduction of Rennie, Picard, and how that was uh, interchanged. I think we knew that um, a Soong was going to be coming. Um, because we had seen his hologram in in the Confederation Massive as statue, well as the yeah. Federation yeah. so it's great to finally see him and I loved how Q was involved with Soong and with Rennie uh, and how that's driving this urgency forward mm-hmm. and the icing on the cake for me is the relationship between Agnes and the Borg Queen yeah. um, it was just awesome and I really want to see how this plays out and I guess that ultimately is going to be their way back in, in some respects oh, absolutely! Um, yep. it, it is the the essence of the Borg Queen that has been piped into Gerati. Uh, mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed all of this and I'm just excited to move to the next one so yeah I give this four and a half smoking gendarmes out of five um and uh, yeah really kind of enjoyed it
1: excellent excellent Halfway through the series now, John. Only five more episodes to go.
0: I know. Uh, can't wait.
1: Yeah. I think we need a drink, though. I think
0: we do. Let us go forth um, to the 10 Forward Pub Quiz. And for this week's question. So there's question five of 10. Uh, the question for this episode... How many seconds does Q predict it will take for Adam Soong to sit down to hear
1: his offer? Oh, I think that's the, probably the biggest scene for everybody from the episode yeah. is seeing Brent get. Spiner and, uh, and John DeLancey together in that scene. So that's a pretty good one. I like it. Get all the answers together. Email them in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com at the end of the season or as you go. That's whichever way you want to do it. That's fine. And our wonderful fellow Trekker with the highest number of answers correct we'll get some Picard goodies winging their way to you. John, do you want to give them the question one more time? Certainly. How many seconds does Q predict it will take
0: for Adam soon to sit down to hear his offer? Excellent.
1: And as I mentioned before, you can also go over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where we have all the questions uh, up, up there. Uh, there is a page there, I was going to say, where we have all the answers up there. We don't. <laughs> just the questions. Just the questions. But pop over there if you've missed any of the questions so far. Yes,
0: Uh, I think it's on to our feedback to boldly go where (laughs) no one has gone before. Um, It is the feedback section. We'd love, as always, to hear from all our fellow Trekkies. You can send that in at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com by email. You can uh, leave comments in the spoiler post on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tv podcast industries you can also send in your own voicemail to us just head on over to our website uh, and you can record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts uh, about the week's episode Uh, just use the right hand side tab uh, on our website
1: Absolutely. Our first piece of feedback comes in from Richard Blaze over on Facebook. Uh, Just after episode four, he says, Enjoying the series so far seems quite formulaic at times, but it's Star Trek and that's always about us. Now, I thought Gerati would become the Borg Queen since their very first exchange in the Confederation lab. However, I'm now wondering whether the Borg Queen is actually Picard's mother. It would also explain why she knew what to say to him. Ooh, speculation crazy. <laughs> I love it, Richard. Uh you never know. Um, you know, it's not it's not a foregone conclusion that Gerade is going to become Absolutely. the board queen. There's a little more push towards it in this episode for me, I feel it's almost there. But you never know, there could be a big twist and it's uh it's Picard's mother is there really is, is taken, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think there really is. I I think there's still enough loose ends um mm-hmm. to not make it uh certain because there is still that flashback that is haunting Picard exactly. of his mother being dragged away into into the darkness. And, and yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks pretty severe. And he hasn't opened up about this to the rest of the crew yet.
1: Exactly. Um, but I think the fact that Gerardi's also spending loads of time at Chateau Picard means that she has a deeper insight than most other people into the history of Picard. So she could absolutely hear that phrase from picard uh look up at the stars is what my mother told me at one point you know um so she could keep that uh when she does become the board queen but definitely. you never know it's a i love speculating on this show so
0: exactly i i think you're right they've been on the ship for together whilst the other three were away so mm-hmm. the, there's definitely time there for sure absolutely yeah so thanks so much richard uh for uh, your feedback there absolutely thanks richard We also got some feedback from uh, Matt Murdick over on Twitter who says the first cafe scene between Brent Spiner and John Delancey ate up so much scenery that the rest of the episode felt irrelevant by comparison. The rest wasn't, of course, but in the moment it sure felt like it. (laughs) Definitely. It was a standout scene uh, in in this uh, episode. Uh, Really, really good.
1: Great to see the two of them together again. Really good.
0: Great stuff. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Also on Facebook, we got some feedback on episode five. Dr. Bob Phillips says, gosh, the new Borg Queen is seriously hot. (laughs) That was a cracking episode with Ocean Six meets Prison Break meeting Don't Say a Word. The only unbelievable bit was the ICE agents hadn't bothered to learn Spanish. (laughs) Liking the gang all back together, I still think the sexy doctor is coming back in episode seven and that we will see the space elf resurrected. But currently my main wondering is how to get soon from genetics into AI to recreate his daughter in the prime timeline. Mm-hmm. That was exactly what I thought as well. And um, that certainly um, there is going to be a break in the tradition of the soon family With having a long history of research in genetics moving into artificial intelligence. Mm. Um, But maybe it's the biology of the brain that they will be uh, researching.
1: Do you know, I did notice something on the second watch, though. When um, Corey is going for her swim that she's wanted all along and says, oh, I'm learning, I'm learning in the pool. She says, what was my mother like at swimming? To Dr. Soon. And he gets this kind of look on his face. Yes,
0: I did notice that. As if, yes.
1: uh-oh, maybe, I don't know who the mother is. Yeah. Um, so we know the inventions of Soong are very similar to humans, and they have a full circul- circulatory system, because that's what we've heard from Picard. He's almost exactly like uh, like any other human, effectively, but he is uh, human-made by Dr. Soong. So is Corey really... A, a a human is it really his daughter um
0: that's true mm-hmm. maybe the the cure is actually a problem that he has to deal with but i noticed yeah. the same look the strange look on uh adam sung's face when yeah. asked about um his wife effectively and her and uh cory's uh mother
1: yeah so maybe he doesn't have to move from genetics to, to ai maybe he is he has AI plus genetics. Yeah,
0: he. he you might be. You mm. might be right there because as well, he's been involved with a dodgy military contractor, yeah. and he's been using human test subjects. Uh, it could be to do with cybernetics uh, in terms of lost limbs and how Maybe. you know. So you, you you do think there's something dodgy there because of that question about um,
1: her mother? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Dr. Bob, for your feedback.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Bob, for the feedback.
1: We got some more feedback on Facebook as well. Uh, one more piece from Heather Wallace who says, Oh, Agnes, I know you feel isolated and alone, but rushing headfirst to someone who says they're the only one who understands you is not the way. All that matters is that you understand you. Fight the Borg Queen fighter. It's really disturbing seeing both the board Queen and Q manipulating vulnerable people, although at least the Queen doesn't have a ridiculously fake accent. Seriously, how did Q convince anyone at NASA that he was legit? I'm impressed the show is handling Renee's mental health issues with honesty and, so far, sensitivity. Anxiety and depression can be paralysing, and they can affect anyone. It's hard, though, seeing Rene seek help only to be manipulated. This series is really showing how evil Q can be. Previously, he's been capricious, but this is a dark turn. Speaking of accents, how do French communities feel about the Picards all having English accents? <laughs> Excellent, Heather. Thanks for that. I suppose they kind of hand-waved that away, didn't they, last episode, where they said the Picards had all left France and don't come back for a couple of hundred years. So uh, they all uh, escaped and went over to, the, to England um, during World War II. So I guess at the moment the French communities have to put up with the fact that, uh, that the Picards are all um, English and that's where their accent came from. <laughs> As for Agnes and, and how that's all being handled, yeah, the manipulation is quite a big theme in this season, isn't it? Um, it is its is really good that they're handling the the issues that Renee's going through, especially because she seems to be a very high-performing person in the description that we get from uh, Talon. Uh, she's very high-performing, really, really good at everything, but she does have her her dark side, her, her uh, difficulties with anxiety and depression. I think it's being re- really well done in the, in the show. But yes, uh, Q putting on that really really fake accent i would presume that he got the job while he still had his powers maybe he clicked his fingers and was able to use a little bit of power to get himself into that position because otherwise it's uh, it's people going hang on a second you're just putting on a sigmund freud accent uh, that doesn't make you a mental health uh, professional <laughs> thanks so much heather Final piece of feedback on Facebook from Jamie Lawton, who says, nice to see Elise Leah Thompson, getting some screen time in front of the camera. Yeah, for some reason, I forgot to mention this when we were recording originally. I did have it in my notes as well. But of course, great to see Leah Thompson fronting that board who denies Adam Sung his investment uh, for continuing his research. Yeah, great to see you on screen, especially after doing two great episodes of Star Trek Picard as well. We'll close out the feedback with a voicemail from the wonderful Mr. Steve Brown doing a live Steve on Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 5. Take it away, Steve.
2: Hello, TV Podcast Industries. This is Steve, and this is for uh, Picard, Episode 6, Me to the Moon. I'm so glad they do these recaps because I can't remember from one week to the next what I said in a voicemail or what happened on the show. I'm going to guess, because I haven't watched this yet, that Renee Picard, the astronaut, is the blonde woman that Q was trying to manipulate in the last episode. This one, directed by Jonathan Frakes, huh. Would it be called the Picard Vineyard in this day if they don't take residence until four centuries later? Ah, uh, so we do get Prince Spiner and Soji. I don't remember the access her, but interesting their roles in this world. Has Q placed them here? What's the, I don't know. Oh, maybe she's already a synthetic. Oh, okay, so she is human, she just has a, this genetic defect. The question is, is this cure going to last, or is it a temporary thing she got to take more of it? All the questions that he would be asking. Well, I guess it said 100% effective, so maybe it should be permanent, I don't know. Oh, she shot the board Queen. <laughs> she just happens to have skills in entry to early co- What did she say? Uh, the song is playing, Saw all in the subtitle, mic drop, fly me to the moon. Oh, what a cliffhanger ending. So the board Queen is inside her. You guys might be right that the board Queen we saw in episode one is Jurati. All right. Talk to you later.
1: Thanks, Steve. Had the same t- thoughts for a very quick second that she could have been synthetic, but uh quickly corrected to saying no, she's not. So interesting. Interesting.
0: Yeah. And I, I think with Chateau Picard, I think it's the ancient. So the Picards were the before. Yes. Um they retook up residence there, I guess. Absolutely. Um, and me- historical stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, It'd be
1: like, oh, look, they're over there in the old Murfrees Farm where nobody's lived for 100 years. But it's still called the Murfrees yeah, Farm.
0: Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, so... And I think you might be right um, that uh, Renee could have been the the blonde-haired woman the, uh, at the cafe. I hadn't really even clocked that.
1: It was definitely the blonde Yeah, woman. I just yeah, hadn't yeah. clocked it.
0: <laughs> just as a random woman enjoying the coffee. Yeah, no, it was definitely
1: Rene Picard, uh, that was outside the cafe. That's how. Yeah, I just uh, didn't spot yeah, it. That's where Q, uh, realizes that his powers don't work. So he obviously went off and got a job as a therapist, yeah. uh, basically afterwards. <laughs>
0: yeah. Connection just wasn't made, but absolutely, uh, completely see it now. Love it. Um, so yeah, thanks so much, Steve, for, for your thoughts. And thank you to everyone who has provided their feedback in for episodes, uh, of, uh, Star Trek Picard. Uh, Fellow Trekkies, keep
1: them coming in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yep. You can keep emailing us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any of your thoughts on any of the shows that we're covering. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Star Trek Picard. We cover loads and loads of shows in TV podcast industry, so make sure you stay subscribed to the podcast on tvpodcastindustries.com. This episode of TV Podcast Industries was brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Matt Murdock. Thanks so much, Matt, for your support.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Matt, for, for your support. Really, really appreciated. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can support us for a monthly amount over at patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries. or if you'd like to support us with a one-off donation, you can pop on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash tvpi and buy us a coffee. Um, you can also stay subscribed to the podcast and if you enjoy what you hear... Why not share it with your friends? Because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love. And any support, whatever form it takes, is
1: really, really appreciated. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for all your support. We'll be back next week with Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 6. Your feedback on the episode. And, of course, our next question in our 10 Forward pub Quiz. Hope you can join us then. Yes. And of
0: course, we will be returning to Marvel TV with the Moon Knight series starring Oscar Isaacs and Ethan Hawke. Uh, Episode two arrives on April the 6th. So join us there over on our Defenders podcast where we'll be covering the second episode of the Marvel TV
1: miniseries Moon Knight. Absolutely. first episode was excellent. If you want to hear our thoughts yeah. on that, you can get that on our main feed on So Talk to you next week.
0: Yes. Thanks so much, fellow Trekkies, for joining us. As always, it is a pleasure to chit-chat with you about all things because and all things deep space. Uh, remember, fellow Trekkies, keep watching, keep listening, and keep
1: trekking. Bye. Bye you mm-hmm.